0: Hello, uh, each year, uh, Christians of all kinds from all around the world follow Jesus on his walk to Jerusalem, to uh, death on the cross, and then into his resurrected life on Easter. It's a whole season that we call Lent. It comes from the Latin word for lengthen, the days that get longer as we move toward spring and, and, and toward new life. And on the way, we listen to Jesus teach. We watch him heal and correct. We see him laugh and cry and and forgive others. And his followers back then and billions like us ever since have come to believe that somehow they were in the very presence of God come to earth, as confusing and incredible as that might sound. It sounded like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and lived among us full of grace and truth. So, this year for Lent, we'd like to stop and eat a meal, and do it where Jesus stops to eat his meals. We're going to join together in the feasts and listen in on his dinner conversations, We'll see his mission in a fresh way as he has a drink with a woman that nobody else will talk to. We'll hear him argue again and again with religious people resisting their diet plans when Jesus is trying to throw a feast for starving people. We'll watch Jesus feed thousands with a few loaves and fish. And in our last weeks together, we'll see how Jesus invites each one of us to the feast at his banquet table or he might just show up for a meal anywhere. These feasts with Jesus will help us to be just like those first disciples, figuring out why meals taste so different when Jesus is the wine steward, or he's the host of the feast, or he's around cleaning everybody's feet. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. One thing to set us off on our way to dinner is to ask, why, why are we doing all these meals from the Gospel of John? I mean, aren't there four different stories about Jesus? Well, that's absolutely true. In fact, three of the four stories are so alike, they are called the synoptic gospels. That is synonym, the same, optic, look. They see the same thing. Matthew and Mark and Luke overlap all the time. In fact, almost 90% of the gospel of Mark is repeated in Matthew and in Luke, often word for word, and line for line. The story of John is so wildly different. Sometimes you wonder if you're reading the same story at all. It's like this. I asked Dave to show us a a visual of of a crash that happens at an intersection. And on the four different corners, there are people watching this crash. And on the On the first corner is somebody pointing it out. Look what's happening. And on the second corner is somebody saying, hey, come see this. And on the third corner, somebody else is trying to say, how can we help? This is supposed to be everybody. How can we help? Those are the three synoptics. They're on three corners seeing the same thing. The Gospel of John is the fourth corner. Watching the same crash, But watching it from the top of a building, looking down, maybe from a thousand feet up in the air, it sees the big picture. So, when you get to this story in John's gospel, things keep happening at mealtimes. But then Jesus explains why they happen. These incidents are turns in the road toward Jerusalem. And at each turn, Jesus holds up a sign In fact, in the Gospel of John, miracles are actually called signs. So let's read them together. One of the signs will say, I'm the bread of life. And another, I am the cup of salvation. Some other sign will say, whoever eats or drinks of me will never hunger or thirst again. This is Jesus at 10,000 feet with signs that point the way. And that's all in the story of John. So let's eat our first meal together. And let's start with the good stuff. And in Northern California, you know that that means the wine. Let me read for you what the story says. In John chapter 2, it begins, On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. But Jesus replied, why do you involve me, woman? My My hour hasn't come yet. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Well, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind that the Jews used for ceremonial washing, each 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. And then he told the servants, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet, who's like the host, tasted the water that had been turned to wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, even though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, everybody else brings out the best wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you, you've saved the best until the last. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs, signs through which he demonstrated his glory. And his disciples believed in him. The word of the Lord. You know, I've done uh, hundreds of weddings at least. And over the 40 years, uh, I I can tell you that uh, weddings are accident magnets. Something almost always goes wrong at a wedding. We all have stories of groomsmen that faint or uh, people that use the wrong name in the wedding vows or or one of the wedding party writes down the wrong day or time. But there's one that that stands out for me that I think of when I think of Jesus' wedding. I uh early on in my uh, time uh, was doing the wedding of a young woman who wanted everything to be perfect. she wanted to control everything. She certainly didn't trust uh, the groomsman and she uh, kept the uh, she kept the tuxedos in in her car so that she could come over the day of the wedding and leave them at the church. she uh, she took the ring away from uh, the best man, afraid that he'd uh, lose it. And so uh, everything is going just great, just smooth. And we have moved uh, from the bottom of the stairs to the top and are uh, just about to, to do the wedding vows and exchange the rings. And her whole face just turns white. And she looks at me, and I said, What's wrong? She says, I locked the rings in the car and it's back home. Well, wh- what do you do at that point? We, um, I-, I took off my ring, and I asked her for her engagement ring, and I said, let's just exchange these. And really, nobody else knew, but it's a wedding that none of the three of us would ever forget. You see, weddings get idealized, the service. Very few of us are our normal selves, comfortable in our own skin. We're wearing unusual, fancy clothing, and that's fine. It really is. Weddings are meant to be a picture of us at our best, but they also raise the stakes and make all of us nervous, and especially if you are seeing this as a huge exception to your life, if you're poor or in lower classes where a wedding is so different than normal life, You know, a mistake in the wedding ceremony um, really creates a lot of laughs. We tell those stories throughout the decades. But it's different when you get to the reception because now we're expecting a party. Don't mess with the food. And especially at Jewish weddings, wine is essential. There's a saying by the rabbis that without wine, there is no joy. It's not so that the guests would drink to excess, but wine is a symbol of joy and celebration. Again, especially among the poor and folks who can't afford to live like that all the time, like Cana of Galilee. Without wine, there is no joy. That's what Mary is saying to Jesus. The joys run out, not just the wine, the joy. And remember, John is going to be the book of signs. It, it, it's like Gandalf, the wizard in the, in the Lord of the Rings. He he turns to one of the characters and says, there is more here happening than meets the eye. If life runs on wine and the wine runs out, you're running out of life. So new wine in this story is like new life. Jesus' miracle is a surprise here. I, I, I suppose that's, of what the definition of a miracle is. Isn't it a surprise? But this one's different than what anybody expected. You see, it's not just that Jesus turns the water into wine and gives us more wine. Jesus gives us really good wine. Instead of the ordinary stuff that they were drinking, I'm not saying it was six buck chuck, the same old stuff, the guests start pouring out $3,000 bottles of Cabernet Unbelievable wine. It's the first sign of the promise of Jesus. I've come that you might have life. Life in all of its abundance, instead of just the same old stuff. This is not just a new set of rules. It's a taste of new wine. And since it's new, it it, it takes a while to get used to it. It's it's the good stuff. It, It tastes different. I think that uh, into almost every life, there's a time when the wine is run out, when the joy has run out. Even into the incredible lives that we see on the screen or we read about in the papers, they run out of wine. Now, I, I think that there is absolutely nothing wrong with the natural joys of life, but eventually, and And often at the peak of those good times, the wine of joy runs out. For some people, it's intellectual despair or or doubts or silence in prayer. But even life experiences, even life at Disneyland will eventually run out of the wine of joy. Is that you today? Is that somebody that you love and you can't seem to help? Get the joy back. Jesus was saying, actually Jesus was showing that only he can bring joy to life that will last. Joy in abundance, overflowing. He says that at the end of John, he says, I've told you all these things so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. And even normal joys can be filled with Jesus, when we sense his pleasure, we feel his, his presence, we absolutely do not want to pretend that every minute of life is all joy. For anybody who follows Jesus or not, we weep and we worry and we sit with those who are in sorrow and in trouble. And Jesus is not promising a A pass out of pain or difficulties. But one of the great promises about the spirit of Jesus with us is another food image. It's this: the fruits, fruits, the fruits of the Spirit are love and joy, peace and patience, gentleness, kindness and generosity, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The fruits of the spirit are love and joy. So last week I am, um, I stopped and I, I spoke to the to the students, saying that even at their young age, God was calling them to freedom, to live free and to serve others. In in this story today, I think Jesus is implying, or John is implying, that life can get better as it goes on with Jesus, even as we age. I think that's part of uh, verse 10. Everybody else brings the good stuff out at the beginning, but you have saved the best for now. Remember, John is a story of symbols, of signs. And even when the natural Wines of life, the joys of life, lose their sparkle, and they all will at some point. The wine of Jesus Christ increases as life goes on. I can attest to this. I I see joys in this season of life, which is no more happy than any other, but I see more joy than I ever knew before. I see a confirmation of the sips of wine that I only had glimpses of before. Uh, That's why the psalmist in Psalm 92 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm, growing like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the houses of the Lord, they'll flourish in the courts of God. They'll still yield fruit in old age. They'll stay fresh and green. So as we move to the communion table, how do you think people reacted to Jesus' miracle at that wedding? And the great wine started to flow. Were they were they blasé? I doubt it. Were they Presbyterian? I, I doubt it. I bet there was lots of jumping up and down and hollering in a great Jewish tradition because it was a fantastic time for everyone, and the celebration was complete with overflowing joy and the presence of Jesus. Sometimes an ordinary meal or even a a, a special meal can become um, different. Uh, I I think Laura may have mentioned uh, that when we were in Washington, D.C., we were poor as church mice, and uh, we had uh, our anniversary there. It probably would have been our uh, seventh, sixth anniversary. And uh, I really didn't have enough money to go out to do something fancy. But somebody had told us about a, a neat little Tex-Mex place uh, in, in Bethesda. And, and I took Laura there. And it was so accessible and so crowded that we had to wait forever. And finally, we got uh, seated and. The only table left was out in the bay window in the front, and we're seated there, and uh, we're both feeling great because we're away from the kids for the first time, and they're just babies. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I'm sitting out, uh, looking out the window, and um, uh, a big limo blocks one end of the street, and then uh, an SUV comes and blocks the other end, and... People start getting out of cars, and I go, what's going on here? What is going on? And nothing happens. And we wonder what's going on. And, uh, and, and about 10 minutes later, we'd almost forgotten something was happening in one of the other buildings. About 10 minutes later, a car pulls up, and out of the car, uh, two people come out, and they, they walk in the front, and we turned around to them, and it was the President of the United States and his foreign guest. Mrs. Bush was out of town, and the the president felt a taste for Mexican, so he said, how about if we just go over to this neat restaurant I've heard about? And as he walked in, he stood at the door, and everybody, of course, I mean, everybody's blasé in Washington, but everybody, you know, applause, 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 and he gives a little bow and walks to the back of the room where the Secret Service has set his table up against the the wall and and we ate with the president of the United States. Laura looked at me and said, what are you gonna do next year? Every dinner, every meal can become special because you never know who will show up. The president is neat. But when Jesus shows up, the party can change for everybody. So how about you? Are, are you thirsty today? Are you uh, tired? Tired of the same stuff? Are you tired of church casseroles? Are you longing for the good stuff, something fresh from Jesus, good news that there's more in adventure and joy in life than running around with Bear gorillas? Do you want the real thing? We invite you to come and join in as you leave over the next several weeks if you're here on one of our campuses at every campuses you'll see a table like this that's been set up set up for the feast and as you leave each week we would we would ask you to consider going over to that table once and sitting down if you're watching at home you can go to your dining room table and sit down I I'd encourage you to write your name down on the pen that's provided there. If you're thirsty for a new glass of wine, if you wonder if there's a place at this table of Jesus for you, if if you know that you never want to miss another chance to eat with Jesus no matter what you've done, write your name. We'll give you some instructions as, as you leave but the table will not be the same without you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for this great story of how you started your work in the Gospel of John. It makes all of us feel a little thirsty and a little afraid that we'll be left out of the table or we'll be afraid to show up for the table because of what we've done. But this week, we hear you say that you invite us to come. Prepare a place for us, spread out a feast, and as you have done time after time, pull back a chair. That we might dine with you and love you in a new way in the name of the father and the son and the holy ghost amen